Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. I'm so glad that you're here and that you joined me. Uh, please give me a thumb up or subscribe to the channel if you're so inclined to. It is free. I greatly appreciate it. Well, we got a good lesson today. Um, and for some of you that um, haven't been with us in the past, I usually read from the New Living Translation. And so we'll be reading out of the, mostly out of the New Living Translation. But today we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to complete chapter 16. And if you recall, those that were here last week, chapter 16, we talked about Hagar and Sarah and how, um, just as a, a very brief review, um, we talked about how Hagar and Sarah uh, had some little conflict going on because 10 years after God gave the promise to Abraham, Sarah decided that she was tired of waiting and she wanted to help God out. So she gave Sarah to Abraham to have a son by Hagar, who was her handmaiden. And so that caused a little bit of friction, uh, which I'm sure you can imagine it would. Um, Hagar kind of got beside herself and when she, when she became pregnant and, you know, I think, I believe she probably felt she had bragging rights and, um, she ended up uh, looking at Sarah with contempt and Sarah was her, her mistress. Um, and so Sarah, uh, based on the rules and the laws of the land, was in her rights to discipline Hagar. So she disciplined Hagar. And when she disciplined Hagar, Hagar ran away. And after she ran away, that's what we're going to start talking about uh, today after she ran away. In, that's probably about verse 7. Um. But anyway, let's just start with a word of prayer before we get started, but just want to review what we talked about last week. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint this lesson. Holy Spirit, that you would be the teacher. Father, we thank you, Lord, that for all those that are here, Lord, and that are listening, God, that they will get something out of your word. Anoint me, anoint your word, anoint your servant, and we give you all the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in chapter uh, 16 and verse 7, that's around about verse 7. In verse 7 it says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Remember, Hagar has run away because she's uh, upset about Sarah disciplining her. He found her beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road of Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Now, you know, when you read that, it would seem that it doesn't really seem fair, but you got to recognize that uh god takes us through trials and tests and this is hagar going through this but you got also got to know that when god takes you through something he's not always going to allow you to just run away hagar decided it was too hot in the kitchen for her she was just going to run away she didn't want any parts of it and it just reminded me of how sometimes we get in situations where God is testing us and trying us and he's trying to work something in us or trying to teach us something. And sometimes we take off or we want to run before the work is done. 
And sometimes God has us to stay just to endure. Uh, and I've had situations that way where I was ready to run. I think I mentioned it last week and God told me to stay and to learn something. And I did learn some things. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it tells us that our trials will not always feel good. So what God takes you through is not always going to be peaches and cream and something that you're going to enjoy. And Hebrews chapter 12, in tw chapter 12, verse 11, it says, no, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So whatever you're going through, it's a purpose in it. God does, doesn't just put us into things and cause us to go through uh, problems and troubles just because he wants to see us struggle. No, God is a purposeful God. Whatever he does, there's a reason behind it. There's, there's a nugget. There's something that he wants us to get out of it. And the, the, um, the chastening that he takes us through is going to cause us to have more righteousness. It's going to uh, cause us to be changed into his image. Because don't forget, he said he's coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So we want God to purify us and change us and cleanse us. And sometimes the only way he can purify us and change us and cleanse us is to take us through some trying situations that's going to reveal his nature in us and cause some of our flesh to, to just fall away. And, and believe me, if God could do it any other way, he would. But some of us won't move until there's a fire put underneath us. And I'm reminded of um, situations that I went through. And I would not have been praying or on my knees if it had not been a struggle, if I had not felt the pressure. So sometimes God is allowing you to feel the pressure because he wants you to be able to, uh, to hit your knees and to cry out to him. Because some of us might not even pray unless we are in trouble. Uh, and, and, you know, and if that's what it takes for us to hit our knees and cry out, well, so be it. You know, God knows each one of us and he knows how much pressure each one of us needs, need to drive us to him. Because that's the end goal, that he wants us to be close to him and he wants some of the other things to fall off. So now I got to mention here, though, when I say that you, you shouldn't run from your problems or run from things, I'm not talking about physical abuse. And I don't know why I felt to put this, but there might be somebody out there listening. But um, when I wrote the marriage book, one of the things that I put in the marriage book was that personally, now this is Linda's opinion, I don't believe anyone, any uh, spouse, the male or the female, the husband or the wife, should have to endure, endure physical abuse. I just, I just don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that God would have you submit to physical abuse on a regular basis. So, you know, my cry is that any, if anybody's out there and you're, you're going through spousal abuse, whether you're the husband or the wife, because women shouldn't hit men and men shouldn't hit on women either. Because some women are, are pretty violent. Uh, but you need to, you know, call the, the domestic violence helpline. And I actually have that number for you here. It's one eight zero zero so one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three if anybody is going through any physical abuse you can get out you can call them for help amen 
All right. So that, but that's not what we're talking about with, with the Hagar situation and what, and with what God is saying about us going through situations. I'm talking about, uh, for instance, if you're attending a church and you, uh, the pastor says something that you don't agree with. Okay. And so then you decide, well, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to leave. And what I'm saying is if God have told you to be there, then you need to stay there. Even if you might not agree with everything that he's saying, but you need to stay there until God tells you it's time to move. So seek God, acknowledge him in all your ways, because there could be something he wants to show you. So, because how many people know, and I've said this before, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Every church you go to, there is going to be some problems and some issues because it's full of people that have problems and issues. We all have problems and issues. So when we all come into the church, there's going to be some issues. Until Jesus comes back, we're going to be dealing with some things. Amen. But allow God to do the work in you. Uh, don't just be so quick to run away. Okay, so verse 12. I don't want to keep beating that up, but uh, just want to get in our spirit that we, you know, sometimes you got to stay where God tells you to stay and not to run. So in verse 12, in um, in, the, in this verse, is speaking about Ishmael's legacy. Now, Ishmael was the father of the Arabs and Isaac um or it was the descendant, Israel, uh, I'm sorry, the Jewish people descended from Israel, who was descendants from Isaac. And these were the only two um, Old Testament people that actually are still surviving today is the Arabs and the Jewish people over in the Middle East. So according to the Nelson Study Bible, Ishmael's descendants, as we says, are the Arab people and Israel's were descendants of the Jewish people, and they're all in the Middle East. And you find that in Genesis chapter 17, verse 19 through 22. So, amen. We talked about, uh, just as a reminder, don't expect God to take away all your problems. Uh, he is allowing that problem to come your way to teach you something, to grow you up, or to show you something. In James Chapter 1, verse 2 through 8, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, listen to this. It said, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your joy, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Amen. So what is this what is this test and this trouble teaching you? It's giving you joy. And it's giving you endurance. This test is teaching you endurance. It said, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So all things are working together for your good. It might not look good, but it is working together for your good. In verse 13, it, uh, it talks about how Hagar said, verse 13 said, therefore Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord, who had spoken to her. And she said, you are the God who sees me. So God saw her and God cares about everyone. So, you know, you should always treat people right because God cared about Sarah and he took care of her and he told her not to worry. He even told her uh, back up in verse 11 uh, about her son, that he she was going to have a son. His name is going to be Ishmael and, and, and told what kind of uh, man he was going to be. So uh, God cares about all of us. Verse 16, note that uh, Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. 
Amen. So he was 86. So this is, he received a promise when he was 75. Then when he was 85, that's when he and Sarah decided to help God out and have a child. And Ishmael was born when he was 86. So that's 11 years after the promise was given. So, you know, and that's another thing. We talked about that last week. Don't try to help God out. Um, let God bring the promise to pass or wait for his instructions before you do anything. Amen. Amen. So let's go to chapter 17. Chapter 17 of Genesis. And in verse 1, it says, When Abraham was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. And I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. So what do we have here now? We have God is giving Abraham, um, he's repeating the covenant to him and he's reminding him of the covenant. And Abraham is 99 years old. So he, he's pretty old now. Verse three, at this, when he heard God telling him about the promise, Abraham fell face down on the ground in reverence to God. He's still reverencing God. Verse four, this is my covenant with you. This is God talking to him. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And what's more, I am changing your name. It would no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. Now, I do have to apologize because I'm so used to calling him Abraham. I've probably been calling him Abraham all through uh, our, our teachings. But this is, this is actually the place where his name was actually changed in, in this chapter, where God says he's going to start calling him. He's going to be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations, and I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I'm in verse 7. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. Hallelujah. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. You know, this is not a small thing. God's saying that he will always be our God, the God of Abraham and the God of Abraham's descendants. Mark, um, the mark of the covenant was uh, starts in verse nine. So then God said to Abraham, your responsibility, now this Abraham has something to do, is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is a covenant that you and your descendants must keep. So now he's going to tell him what he has to do. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. And any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant. 
fam from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Amen. So God was serious. So the mark of all these promises God just gave was for Abraham to circumcise himself and every male in his household. Verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. So Sarah gets a name change as well. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. So you have Sarah here that's, that she's part of the promise as well. It wasn't just Abraham, but she's going to be blessed as well. Verse 17, then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. Wow. I mean, but can you can you kind of see why he would laugh in disbelief? Because uh, when he was 75, God gave him this promise. Now he's 99. So this is what Abraham says. How could I become a father at the age of 100? He thought. Now, remember, he's 99 while God's talking to him. So uh, a year from now or nine months from now, he'd be 100 years old when Isaac is actually born. And then he says, and how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. So how many people know Abraham, of course, loved his son. He loved Ishmael. So he's asking God, can, can Ishmael live? You know, uh, Ishmael is, is now 13. And so, of course, he loves his son. But God replied, no. Sarah, your wife. So basically, Abraham was asking, can Ishmael be the one that received the promise? Can he be my the son that's going to inherit all the blessings? But God replied, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you, and you will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also. So God didn't forget about Ishmael. He said, just as you have asked, I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. So God still was going to bless Ishmael. Ishmael. He will become the father of 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. And when God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. When God gives you a promise, you can take that to the bank. He said, by this time next year, Isaac's going to be here. Now, mind you, they've waited a while, but he said, by this time next year, Isaac's going to be here. So on uh, verse 23, it says, on that very day, Abraham took his son. Now, look how obedient Abraham was. He took his son, Ishmael, and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had brought. He had bought. So he had purchased some, some, some servants. Then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God had told him. Every male in your house got to be circumcised. That was the, the uh, mark of the covenant. Verse 24, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. Wow. And Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on that same day along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or brought as servants. 
bought a servants. All were circumcised with him. So Abraham is still being very obedient to whatever God tells him to do. And he doesn't waste any time. He, he went right out and did, although he, you know, he was, he laughed because, okay, I'm going to be a hundred years old. And I'm going to be a hundred years old and you're saying I'm going to have a son. Okay. Right. All right. Okay. So, um, let's go back a little bit, um, and look at some of this. Let's look at parts of the covenant. Well, and, um, first of all, God told Abraham that if he walked before him and was perfect, that he was going to make the covenant with him. So in other words, uh, in verse one, God had told him if Abraham carried himself or conducted himself with integrity, that's another way to say that. And integrity means you're being honest and you're having, and you have strong moral principles. So if Abraham carried himself with integrity and if he was, and if he did what was right. So integrity Another way to explain integrity is what you do when no one is looking. It, it, it proves that you have integrity. Uh, what you do when you feel like no one's looking at you um, is a test of your integrity. Okay. Um, but God said he would, he would cut the covenant with him if Abraham would walk before him and be perfect. And, and mind you, that perfect did not, didn't mean Abraham would never make a mistake because we know he made mistakes but he was just going to um, do the right thing and, and, and believe God and listen to God and walk in his morals and be honest about things. Because how many people know that even when you make a mistake, God, is, God looks on your heart. He looks on the honesty of your heart. Uh, I'm reminded of David when he made some mistakes and the prophet came to David and told him um, that he was the one that had made mistakes. David was the king, a king at the time. And we'll get into that later on. But even as a king, he submitted to what the prophet said and he repented for some of the things that he had done. So, and I'm, I'm bringing that up because uh, God said of David that he was a man after my own heart. So it shows you that God looks at your honesty. He looks at your character. So anyway, in verse two and eight, we want to look at some of the covenant parts before uh, we have to close here. So one thing he says, I will give you countless descendants. And if you're a note taker, you might want to write that down. This is the parts of the Abrahamic covenant. He said, I will give you countless descendants. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I am changing your name. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. This covenant is for you. And for your generations after you, it is everlasting. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants. I will give the entire land of Canaan to you and your descendants forever. And I will be their God, talking about the God of his descendants. So Abraham was circumcised was to be circumcised and all the males of his household on that eighth day. That was supposed to be uh, Abraham's part in all this we just read, the covenant that God had given to him. So this included his family members, his servants, the foreigners, the servants that he bought, everybody, all the males that were at least eight days old. 
So any male who refused to uh, be circumcised was supposed to be cut off from the covenant family. So their bodies were to bear the mark of the everlasting covenant. So also we want to notice that God changed your name. Now in the Old Testament, a name means a lot. Uh, a name usually showed your what kind of character you have or what kind of character you're going to have. But a name was very significant in the Bible times. You know, sometimes we we choose names flippantly, but names meant something. They, they, they spoke of your character. So Abraham uh, meant, and this is all according to the New Strong's Complete Dictionary of the Bible. Abraham, A-B-R-A-M, mean high father. Abraham means father of a multitude. So you see how that changed? He, his, he's uh, enlarged his borders. He's going to be father of a multitude. Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, uh, according to that dictionary, meant dominant, dominative or dominating and controlling. And her name was changed to Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, which means princess. And some other translations have that Sarah and Sarah both meant princess, but this uh, dictionary said something a little different. And as I said in the Old Testament, the name meant a lot. Uh, some other examples of some name changes was Adam, uh, or not name changes, but what, when names mean something. Adam means human being or mankind. Eve means life giver or mother of all living. Jacob, we haven't read about him yet, but Jacob means supplanter. Someone uh, taking the place of another by scheming, strategy, or force. And we're going to read about him because um, he stole the place of or the birthright of his older twin brother Esau by deceptive means. And David, the name David means beloved or loving. So there's a, there's a lot more we can go through, but we just want to give you some of those to show you how these names mean something. Uh, in verse 16 of chapter 17, God also promised to bless Sarah, which we just read about that, to have a son. And she would become the mother of many nations and she would birth kings. And God, So God's blessing was not just for Sarah, but it, for Abraham, but it was for Sarah as well. And then we talked how Abraham laughed because here he would be 100 years old by the next year and Sarah would be 90. And he thought they were both too old. So, uh, so Abraham thought his blessing would, should come or would come through his 13-year-old son that he already had. But God said no. But I want you to notice how Abraham bowed down in honor of God to the ground. He had great respect and reverence for God uh, when God spoke to him. And then how much he loved Ishmael and he inquired about him and how God still yet said, but no, Isaac is going to get your blessing. But God didn't, didn't ignore what his, his concern was. He still blessed Ishmael. So God tells Abraham that Sarah will have a son and his name will be Isaac. And the covenant will continue through him. Also in verse 20, God promised that at Abraham's request, he would bless Ishmael. And he would be extremely fruitful and have many descendants and father 12 princes and have a great nation. So God confirms his, his uh, covenant with Abraham and Sarah. And we're going to get into that more next week. But you can just believe that anything that God has promised to you is going to come to pass. 
And no matter how long it takes, it's going to come to pass. And next week, we're going to read a little bit about um, about that, about um, waiting on God. Uh, we're going to see some interesting things about some people that waited on God and how long it took them um, to get their promise and get their blessing. But amen. But just want to invite anyone that's out there listening to um, please go on to my um, channel. And there's a sinner's prayer where you would be explained why we need Jesus and be led into the sinner's prayer because you need God in your life. Amen. We need you to be in the ark of safety. Amen. We need you to be okay during these uh, trying times that are happening now and that are going to happen because it's going to get worse. So you want God as your as your best friend and, and the one that keeps you. Amen. So go on to that channel and listen to the sinner's prayer. Uh, be led to Christ with the prayer that's on there. There's a prayer that leads you to Christ. And then afterwards, uh, there's also a teaching on there about salvation. So uh, I want you to also listen to that teaching so you can learn what salvation is all about and what you're getting into. Amen. So let's just say a word of prayer to end it. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, O oh God, for all the teaching that you're, that you're putting in our hearts, O oh God. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are God that keep all your promises, O oh God. We thank you, the Father, that even when we're in doubt, O oh God, that your promises are sure and true. Father, that you would never leave us and that you would never forsake us and that you would never fail us. Father, I pray for all those listening, Lord God, that they will come to know you, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word and for this message. Bless everyone that's listening and bless us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I thank you for coming and joining me and I will see you next week.